Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us, and it's another All Earth 2 episode this exciting. week. Exciting. Yeah, it is. Exciting. Fantastic. We're getting there. We're getting there. And today we're looking at the second adventure to feature the Super Team Supreme, Doctor Fate and Hourman. We are looking at issue 56 of Showcase, which was published on March 25th, 1965, with a cover date of June 1965. And it features Doctor Fate and Hourman against the Psycho Pirate. So the Psycho Pirate, he's a bit of a legacy character in himself. He is indeed, yes. But we'll, we'll get to him in a minute because we're going to big up Doctor Fate for a little while. When we did Showcase 55 a couple of weeks ago, after we recorded it, Peter found a contemporary house advert for Showcase 55. Yes. Which was emphasising the relaunch of Doctor Fate and Our Man. It basically was sort of saying, we had the Flash, we had Green Lantern, we had Hawkman, we had the Atom, mm-hmm. and now the next great DC Comics revival is Doctor Fate and Our Man. And it's very interesting that they were being pitched in such a way, but not being rebooted yes, uh-huh. at all, No, essentially. Well, Doctor Fate arguably rebooted because he's kind of put back to first principles, but this was mm-hmm. not. This was still Kent Nelson, Doctor Fate, and still uh-huh. Rex Tyler Hourman. It wasn't like any like any of the other ones. But when last we saw him in the Golden Age, he had the half helmet on, of course. So that's that's what we're going to talk about because we gave quite a lot of Hourman detail on the last one. So a bit of detail about Doctor Fate this time. So Doctor Fate first appeared in his distinctive blue and gold costume in issue fifty-five of More Fun Comics, which was published in April nineteen forty, and he ran all the way through to issue ninety-eight, which came out in May nineteen forty-four. He was a founder member of the Justice Society and appeared in every issue from three to twenty-one, with the exception of issue thirteen, which was probably around at the time that All American and National Publications probably had their fallout. Yeah, but that that's a story. For, that's a story for another, another time. time. Yeah, yep. and the final issue of All Star Comics that he appeared in with the Justice Society was also around in. May 1944. But as Peter said, Doctor Fate underwent a few changes in the duration of his, you know, forty odd appearances in more fun comics. When he started, he had his full face gold helmet and his cape, and he was quite an out there sort of mystical sort of character. And mm-hmm. as much as his adventures weren't really particularly down to earth, Pete's talked before about how a lot of the baddies in the olden days were just sort of bank robbers and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But Fate's mm-hmm. adventures were a bit more out there. When Doctor Fate first appeared, he had his distinctive, almost tear-shaped, full gold face mask. Yes. And his blue costume and yellow trunks. He was originally created by Gardner Fox and an artist called Howard Sherman. And his stories did actually look quite similar to, to our man's, as done yeah. by Bernard Bailey. But issue 72 of More Fun Comics, he underwent a bit of a, a redesign and got the half mask. Mm-hmm. And stories got a bit less out there. A bit less magic going on, a bit more fisticuffs. Yes. And then, in issue 85, he did another quite extensive sort of reboot. He lost his cape, but more than that, he genuinely became Dr. Fate because the story involved Kent Nelson basically going to medical school. There we are. And it's great because the panel when Inza says, oh, great, Kent, you can actually be called Dr. Fate. <laughs> She's backing him up, it's tremendous. So it's interesting that in the four four years he was about, he underwent a couple of reboots almost as if mm-hmm. they were they were aware Trying that he was new things. Yeah, yeah. That he was stagnating slightly and they wanted to kind of try and liven him up. But it's interesting sure. that he didn't change as much in All Star Comics. He went to the half mask, the Doctor Doctor Fate wasn't reflected. Mm-hmm. Disappeared, as we say, summer of 1944, but came back with the Justice Society in Flash 137, appeared in JLA 21-22. He's one of the most regular guys to turn up in Absolutely, the JLA-JSA yes, uh-huh. team-ups. I can, I can think of very few where he's not involved. And it's probably fair to say that we will end up talking about my fair bit during the podcast. 
there's an attempt to launch him almost as a solo character in the 70s mm-hmm. and then he gets a backup strip in the flash yeah obviously which i think we're both looking forward to talking about mm-hmm. but then in the wake of the crisis he is a member of the new justice league that's formed yep that's true there's a mini series that spun out of that beautiful art by keith giffen mm-hmm. and then he's been in a sort of cycle of rebirth ever since yes absolutely huh he had his own series and then he's come back with like the odd miniseries then of course they got rid of it entirely mm-hmm. and they uh, brought in Fate that was in the wake of Zero Hour mm-hmm. which killed off his showcase co-star Our Man because this was a character called Jared Stevens who took possession of Dr. Fate's cape and helmet and repurposed them he was a very 90s character in his unitard and his stupid very, haircut very extreme yes uh, yeah. um, and he hung around for a few years as well <clears throat> before spoilers being killed off in the first issue of the revived JSA title which the first story arc in 1999 was all about the introduction of New Doctor Fate who got his own series and then there's already been a sort of late in the, in the New 52 period for DC Comics, just prior to Rebirth, mm-hmm. there was a, a reboot of him then, mm-hmm. where he was, you know, became a sort of contemporary street kid wearing a hoodie. He's actually been quite active in DC Comics post Rebirth. I mean, it's for someone who went away for quite a long time. He's, I think, alongside maybe the Spectre out of the Justice Society guys. He's probably the one that's lasted the longest, or yeah. certainly, you know, had a, a real sort of. He's always been presence. visible. Sounds yes, presence. presence is a good way yeah. of putting it. Yeah. Oh. One of the things I always find fascinating about Doctor Fate is. Every single Golden Age appearance he had has been reprinted. Yes. Uh, so yes, we've had the Doctor Who Fate Archives, which collected his more fun run, mm-hmm. and every other appearance he had with the GSA was in All Star Comics, and they've all been collected in the All Star Archives. Yeah. So yeah, they've been available to you know a modern reading audience. Yeah, there's, there's not many of the other of his sort of colleagues you can say that for. I mean, I think all Starman stuff has been because uh-huh. it was two volumes of Starman archives and all his Justice yeah. Society appearances, and then and then um, all of Black Canaries has been collected because that's just uh, quite a slim volume. Because but she debuted much later in 1947. So, yeah, because so. uh, she turned up in Flash Comics and then became mm-hmm. a member of the Justice Society as well. Yeah, yeah so it's nice. It's it's nice because there's so many characters that we'll talk about here in the podcast, like people like Johnny Quick, who we mentioned in the yeah. past, and there's Hee Haw. There's a few reprints in the 70s, and that's about it. You know, yep. it's it's a shame that a lot more of the stuff isn't available but we should be grateful for what we do have so he will be around a lot and we will be talking about him mm-hmm. a fair bit more in the future but today it's, it's him and Rex versus the Psycho Pirate now as we said at the start the Psycho Pirate is another legacy character so in Showcase 56 mm-hmm. there is a recap of the origin of the original Psycho Pirates printed at the back would you like to give us some highlights from yes, that yes so some, just some background before because he, he does spoilers the original Psycho Pirate does pop up in the story for Showcase 56 so here we go Charlie Halstead the original Psycho Pirate was twice pitted against the heroes of the Justice Society of America. The first of these battles took place just over 20 years ago. <laughs> so, wow. So nice yeah. context. The plunder of the Psycho Pirate, which was All-Star Comics number 23. Halstead was a linotyper on the Daily Courier. Although considered a valued friend of publisher Rex Morgan, Halstead was jealous of his success. He grew to hate his employer and was overcome by greed. Conceiving the idea of basing crimes on emotions, he secretly embarked on a career as a successful gang leader calling himself the Psycho Pirate, while helping Morgan crusade against his crooked alter ego in his Charlie Halstead identity. Finally, made reckless through conceit, he sent challenges through the courier to the Justice Society. One of the Psycho Pirate's crimes was based on the love of a wealthy man for his daughter, while one of the gang kept the girl out late in the day, others gained possession of her handbag and used it to convince her father that they had kidnapped her. But they really kidnapped Shira Hot Girl Saunders in order to lure Hawkman into a trap. However, the Flying Fury escaped and instead of ransom money, the crooks got jail sentences. Another plot involves stirring up rich men to hate each other, charging them $100,000 apiece for dueling lessons and letting them fight it out. Starman intervened and exposed the scheme. One of his most ambitious plans was to strike fear into the hearts of the inhabitants of a city by threatening to release deadly plague germs. But Dr. Midnight stopped him. 
A pair of safe manufacturers fell victim to their own conceit when they were asked to open one of their vaults, whose new owner, it was said, could not do so because it was so foolproof. Only the caller was not the owner, but a thief. Johnny Thunder and his Thunderbolt sorted that out. And then there were two priceless idols, identical and the only ones of their kind. Each was owned by a wealthy collector who wanted both. One of the Psycho Pirate's men made a deal with each of them to steal the other's idol. Then he pretended the police were after him, blah 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 blah, and the Spectre saved us from having to hear about the rest of that one. Meanwhile, at the Courier, Halstead embarked on a campaign to destroy Morgan through despair. He convinced him that his whole world was crumbling. Also, he lured the Atom into a trap by making him think his fellow Justice Society members had met defeat. But the Mighty Might discovered the fraud and the Psycho Pirate's secret identity. To keep him quiet, Halstead shot him. But the wounded hero made his way back to the Courier and exposed him. Halstead went to prison. So that was All-Star 23. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a slightly shorter recap of All-Star 32, which is called... What do you think it was called, Pete? Well, the Psycho Pirate's coming back, so... Yeah. Could he be returning? Yeah, he does, and it was called The Return of the Psycho Pirate. Gosh. Fantastic. Also, All-Star Comics 32. By playing on a guard's emotions, he had lured him to near his cell door, overpowered him, and taken his keys. Then he and his cellmate, Big Mike... Fantastic. When does Big, Big Mike, Mike get to fight Dr. Fate and Iron Man? Who knows? Big Mike, who had also been jailed by the Justice Society, wanted revenge, so to lure the heroes into traps, he arranged for Johnny Thunder, the only member without a secret identity, to find a wallet containing plans for his and the Psycho Pirates' crimes. Armed with this information, the six heroes swung into action, and at this point, it's worth pointing out that Green Lantern and the Flash had replaced Starman and the Spectre as active members. Hawkman broke up a plot to use an opera star's pride to blackmail her. Dr. Midnight stopped a plan to turn a man into a thief by appealing to his ambition. Green Lantern saved another man from turning dishonest through envy. The Atom kept a college student from innocently aiding crime by yielding to his curiosity. Is curiosity an emotion? I think you're just displaying it there. Mm. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> when the psycho pirate planned to drug a boxing champ so he could collect big money by betting on a has-been noted for his humility, Johnny Thunder turned the tables, humiliating the master of emotions. And the Flash checked a scheme to steal a valuable invention by playing on the inventor's anger. These things done, the JSA closed in on the Psycho Pirate's hideout and captured him. It was easy, for in the wallet planted by Big Mike was an identification card filled out with the address of the hideout. Oh Halstead and Mike were returned to their cell. So that's the story so far for the Psycho Pirate. Mm-hmm. So, back to Showcase 56. Yes. And the cover. Cover's amazing. Oh, really cover. nice. Yeah. So we have on the left-hand side, we have Dr. Fate. On the right-hand side, we have Our Man, and they're both approaching and attempting to take down the Psycho Pirate, who's brazenly standing there in his jester-like outfit, with his comedy and tragedy symbols on his chest, and the Medusa mask of emotion he sort of haloed around him almost. Yeah, I like that. That's great. Into the story. Yes. Splash page. Out of the distant past comes an old yet new criminal. As the original Psycho Pirate of years ago attacked the members of the Justice Society of America with emotions, so does the inheritor of that mantle of misapplied psychology turn his powers against Dr. Fate and our man. Anger, jealousy, pride, ambition flood them both as they seek to find a way to overcome the Emir of Emotion. So this opening splash page is quite funny, actually. It's just Dr. Fate and our man knocking lumps out of each other. Again. Yeah. And the psycho pirate is getting at the top, holding his two laughter and tragedy Medusa masks. And our man is saying, I'm going to send you back into retirement, you has been. And Dr. Fate is declaring, When I get through blessing you with my magic, you'll only be a memory. And the caption tells us, story by Gardner Fox. Art by Murphy Anderson. And they have conjured up, Perils, Perils of, of the Psycho Pirates. Pirates. 
Into the story. On a tell in remote Asia Minor, Kent Nelson stands with his pretty wife, Inza, at a dig. And we have an editor's note telling us that a tell is a large mound. So, Inza, the sweat pouring off her brow. She's taken off her pith helmet. We can see in the background a tent in the jeep. And Kent's at the door of a cave, digging away. And Inza says, Phew, it's blazing hot, Kent. Why don't you use your magic to make this digging easier? I can't do that, honey. I vowed not to use my magical powers for personal gain, and at the moment I'm working as an archaeologist, not Dr. Face. Hmm, I suppose so, but I'm tired and all sticky. A spade breaks through an ancient tomb wall, and Inza forgets her tiredness as... And we can see that Kent has successfully jimmed a hole in the wall of this cave he's been digging into, and he says, At last, I found them, and Inza exclaims, The masks of Medusa! For unguessable centuries, the Medusa masks have lain in golden splendor within an ancient temple. Now mankind has once more found them. And obviously, in the next panel, Kent and Inza have crawled through the hole they've made in the wall. They're in a sort of chamber. They've gone down a flight of stairs. There's some furniture. There's a couple of tables, some statues. There's A bowl? Yeah. And on the wall, we can see no less than 12 Medusa masks. And Kent declares... These masks are the basis for the old legend that anyone who gazed on the face of Medusa was turned to stone. You think that in translation the word stone was substituted for another? Right. Just as in the story of Cinderella, the word ver was thought to mean glass when it actually meant fur. So, turned to stone stood for words that meant overcome with emotions. Interesting. Mm. Kent has taken down a couple of the Medusa masks and he's holding them up. You can see the marks on the wall where they've been. Kent wearing a nice red neckerchief and a yes. green shirt. And he's obviously got his pith helmet on. Obviously not as bothered by the temperature as ends no, after. So we have a slow fade to an aeroplane flying through the air. Soon after, the Nelsons are flying homeward with the precious masks of Medusa. And presumably, that's Kent's voice inside the aeroplane saying, Rex Tyler, who backed our venture, will be delighted at our finds. Top of page three now, and there's a party at the Tyler Chemical Company. We can see Rex, his arm around the shoulder, a lady in a red dress, and we can see Kent and Inza hobnobbing with other guests, and the caption says, In celebration, Rex, our man Tyler, president of the Tyler Chemical Company, hosts a party to display the golden treasures. And Rex says, Kent, I want you and Inza to meet the girl I'm going to marry, Wendy Harris. So that's who the lady in the red dress is, obviously. And Rex is looking very slick in his tuxedo, these hair all slick back. Yes, tremendous. Very much like Alec Baldwin, I think. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So, I, wish I, could, wish I had an Alec Baldwin voice, but I don't have one. Oh well, the story moves on. Soon, with wide eyes, actress Wendy Harris studies the Medusa masks. Odd and enchanted. We can see that the masks have obviously been transported back from the dig in remote Asia Minor. And they've all been displayed on walls at the party. And Wendy is having a close look. And she says... They're breathtaking. So enraptured is she that she does not notice a bystander lift a cigarette lighter and... In the background of Wendy gazing at the the masks, we see a very shady looking character. He's up to mischief and he's thinking to himself, The mask will do its work as soon as the irradiated gas in my lighter makes contact with it. The caption for the next panel says... As the gas touches the mask, a curious change comes over the face of the actress. And one of the masks on the wall is lighting up. It's glowing almost. And it seems like the glow is transferred to Wendy. Wendy is thinking, I must own these masks. I've never had such an avid desire for anything in all my life. So the caption for the next panel says, Greed pictures itself on her lovely features as she yanks the masks off the wall. And sure enough, Rex has arrived and you can see that Wendy started removing the masks from the hooks that was holding them onto the wall. And Rex says, Wendy, honey, 
What in the world are you doing? Wendy thinks, Nothing must stop me. Nothing! We move on to the top of page four and we see a cigarette lighter again being held under one of the other masks. And the mask has got a sort of very smiley expression on it. So maybe that's hilarity and particular emotion. Anyway, the caption says, The mysterious cigarette lighter flares again. And a ripple of laughter runs through the assembled guests. And we see everyone standing around clutching their sides and holding their stomachs and holding their heads and having the right laughing. One of the men says, <laughs> Wendy is sure putting on a show. And one of the women says, What a superb actress. <laughs> Applause rings out as Wendy Harris makes her exit, clinging to the golden masks as if unable to let them go. Everyone at the party is applauding and clapping and someone shouts, Bravo! Bravo! Someone else shouts, How about an encore? In a little while, the laughter stops as men and women stare at one another in dismay. And Rex says, What made us think that act of Wendy's was so funny? And Kent Nelson says, I can't imagine. It was as if I was compelled to laugh for some reason. As one, they run out into the street where... And we see Rex and Inza and Kent exiting the the Tyler Chemical Company. There's a very helpful sign on the wall there. Yes. It's very nice of Murphy Anderson to stick that in. (laughs) And as they run onto the pavement, Rex says, Wendy! What happened? Where are the masks? Wendy replies, I I don't know. Shame and embarrassment flood the actress as... And Inza and Kent and Rex in a concerned way have gathered round Wendy and she's holding her head in her hands and she says, I could just die. I don't know what possessed me to steal those masks. I was so, so greedy. And then when I ran out the building, I saw a beggar and felt such pity for him, I practically shoved the masks into his hands. And sure enough, we see Wendy doing that and that we can see that the creepy cigarette lighter guy is lurking in the background. As she does so, and Wendy hands the masks to the beggar and she says, Here, maybe these will help you get a new start in life. And then we move to the next caption, says, Kent Nelson draws Rex Tyler to one side. And Kent says, I have a feeling we haven't heard the last of those masks. And Rex responds, We'll go after them as Dr. Faith Nowerman just as soon as I take Wendy home. Soon in a stone tower near which haunted Salem... Kent Nelson dons the blue and gold garb of Dr. Fate. And we have a nice establishing shot of Dr. Fate's tower with some clouds billowing behind it. And then we see Dr. Fate looking into his crystal ball in full costume and he thinks, Strange, my crystal ball is unable to pick up anything about the masks. They must have a magical power of their own which protects them. And a slow dissolve to a nice, very attractive looking beachside sort of condo. And the caption says, at this moment, the masks of Medusa are in the Seacoast Mansion that is the hideout of Roger Hayden, who also calls himself the Psycho Pirates. We're now inside the building and we can see the Psycho Pirate in his full costume of the, the sort of coordinated, alternated black and red squares with a Medusa mask on each red square in his chest. As Pete said when he described the cover, it's you know, quite like a, an old-fashioned sort of jester. And we can see that he has the Medusa masks that are on a table behind him. And he's thinking to himself... My plan worked perfectly, ingeniously. I stole an invitation to the Tyler party, then used his own fiance to steal the masks for me. Then I grabbed them from the beggar. We turn to page six and Roger Hayden starts having a little flashback to himself. And the caption says, Some months before, Roger Hayden was the cellmate of an old and dying man in the state penitentiary. And we see Roger at the bedside of a man who's obviously Charlie Halstead, the original psycho pirate. Charlie's obviously on his way out, and he's saying, I've told you all my psychopirate secrets, Roger. Taught you all I know of human emotions, their causes and results. Now you shall be the new psychopirate, for I cannot last much longer. In you, my skills shall live on, and through you, I shall gain my revenge on the forces of law and order who imprisoned me. 
And we have a little footnote which tells us the Psycho Pirate first appeared in All-Star Comics 23, winter issue 1944. So obviously by that point, Dr. Fate left the JSA. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I must admit, I do love the moustache on the original Psycho Pirate. It is glorious. It's, he's obviously you know been able to maintain it despite his declining mm, health. That's yes. admirable. So the flashback continues with another caption saying, Soon after Roger Hayden was released from prison, he read about the archaeological find of the Masks of Medusa. And we see Roger stood next to a newsstand. Roger's reading the newspaper and he's thinking to himself, This is my chance to take advantage of what the original Psycho Pirate told me. He knew the Medusa masks existed. He did research on them and discovered the secret of how to activate them. There's another change of scene to Roger back at his seaside home and you can see he's hanging the Medusa masks on the wall. The caption says... In his seacoast mansion, the present emir of emotion hangs the masks between a number of torches that flood them with a special type of irradiating gases. And Roger, now the psycho pirate, says, Now for the great experiments. The next caption says, As he stares up at those oriate dominoes, the face of the psycho pirate undergoes a number of weird changes, one by one, envy, hate, Fear, greed, pride, despair, conceit, and other emotions stamp themselves indelibly on his features. And we see a sequence of close-up of Roger's face as he comes under the effect of three of the masks. He's standing next to suspicion, disdain, and fury. And he says, Now I shall be able to cause others to feel these same emotions. By a simple gesture of my hand over my face. We move to the top of page seven. Roger is no longer wearing his costume. The caption says... Late the following afternoon, just before closing time, Roger Hayton enters a Gotham City bank and... We see Roger casually throwing a newspaper into a trash bin. He's not wearing his psycho pirate uniform and indeed he thinks to himself... I couldn't wear the costume I designed for my use as the psycho pirate because that attracts too much attention. Just as this newspaper is going to do. Interesting. The next caption says... His hand moves before his face... And as it drops... He's basically doing that thing that people do when they move their hand in front of their face and change their expression as they're doing so. Very interesting. And as he drops his hand down over his face, Roger is thinking... As I release the curiosity mask, I infect everyone in here with overwhelming curiosity about that discarded newspaper. There's a couple of guys in the background who have enormous, huge comedy question marks appearing above their heads in a sort of (laughs) expression going on. The next caption says... A wave of that intense curiosity sweeps across the bank as tellers and officials join customers about the newspaper. There's quite a crowd of about ten people now massing around. One guy in a blue suit and a bow tie has dug the newspaper out and it looks like it's called the Post Scripts. Yes. Interesting. And a man in a hat is saying, What do the headlines say? And a lady who looks like she's escaped from a far side cartoon says, I must find out. And then a slightly older gentleman is saying, I'll go out of my mind unless I know. The caption for the next panel says, his mobsters dash past the grinning Roger Hayden as he stations himself at the bank door. And Roger's standing next to the open door. Everyone who's in the bank is just rushing out. And Roger says, Go ahead, do your stuff. Nobody will bother you. They're all too busy to pay any attention. I'll make anyone else going into the bank just as curious. And we then see in the next panel that Dr. Fate has been watching this on his crystal ball. The caption says... Only one man in all the world sees what's happening in the bank. And Dr. Fate says, Odd, I cannot locate the masks, yet my crystal ball picks up that man in a bank. Hmm, perhaps I'd better investigate, just on the odd chance that he has something to do with them. We're on to page 8. The caption at the top says, 
On the wings of a magic spell, the Wonder Wizard is lifted high through the air and carried toward the bank. And we see Dr. Fate dropping down towards the skylight for the bank, I suppose. Lightning clouds flashing all around him, and he thinks, I can sense evil emanating from within the vaults. It is there I shall direct myself in an astral form. Within the bank vault, he forms to solidity from the astral projection by which he passed through solid matter. And we can see we're inside the bank vault. There's some guys that are up to no good. They're wearing hats and tight-fitting suits and they're carrying bags of money and handfuls of notes. And one of them says, Hey, look! Dr. Fate appears and the other one says, It's Dr. Fate! How do you get wise to us? The caption for the next panel says, Lunging forward, the master of magic shoots out a real-life fist. Cracking panel of Dr. Fate knocking someone out with a massive right hook and he says, Here's where I make a deposit of five knuckles where they'll do the most good. And the next panel, we see some of the baddies arming themselves, and indeed the caption says, Three guns come out of three shoulder holsters. And one of the thugs says, One, two, three bullets! And his mate finishes, And he'll be out! Then the caption for the next panel says, But a single sweep of that blue bolt arm sends the money sacks flying at the gunman. And this is great. Dr. Fate swipes off the money that the baddies had left resting on the table, and he says, This is one payoff you didn't expect. The next few panels show Dr. Fate punching out two guys at once with lots of money flying and then dropping into a sort of shoulder charge that takes another guy out by his legs, again with lots of money flying. And then with a fantastic uppercut, he takes out the guy in a snazzy red jacket and knocks him flying as well. Then the caption for the next panel says, Outside the bank, the long delay makes Roger Hayden nervous. And we can see that Roger is outside the Western Bank and he's thinking to himself, What's keeping them? It should be out with the loot by now. The spell of the curiosity masks lasts only for a short time. And then in the caption for the next panel says, He enters the vault and as he sees the stellar sorcerer, his hand lifts to his face. And sure enough, Roger can see Dr. Fate who's got hold of one of the baddies. And Roger thinks, Dr. Fate... I must do something fast. I'll bombard him with pride. Story continues on the second page following. So the next page we have a nice advert for an 80-page giant issue of Superman featuring seven epic duels to the death between Superman and Lex Luthor that's on sale everywhere on April the 15th. So that's nice. But anyway, the story continues on page 10. A caption saying... Immediately, a change of expression comes over the face of the psycho pirate. Roger drops his hand <laughs> over his face and he says... In a moment, Dr. Fate... Your pride and your great prowess as a crime fighter will cause you to remember some of the awesome villains you have overcome in the past. And Roger brings his hand back up over his face, the caption says. And then his features alter again. And Roger has brought his hand up over his face and he says, But frustration will so grip you, you will be unable to defeat them as once you did. Then the caption for the next panel says... As the face of the psycho pirate mirrors pride and then frustration, so also does the helmet of the Wonder Wizard. And in the next panel, this is interesting because there is a definite confused expression on Dr. Fate's mask. It's bizarre. It is. It's so weird seeing a it's, face there. It's like when Iron Man had a nose in the 70s. <laughs> and appearing now in front of Dr. Fate, there's sort of a little series of pink bubbles and each one of them has a figure inside. And it's clearly some of Dr. Fate's previous foes. And Dr. Fate says, My former enemies... Coming back to fight me, together. In the next panel, we see a green-skinned chap dressed in red with a green cape. Quite like Starman's costume, actually. He's thrusting yeah. out one of the bubbles, and the caption says, From one of those imaginary bubbles induced by the memory centres of Dr. Fate's brain, leaps a visionary villain. And Dr. Fate declares, Woke to him. 
And Votan is actually someone who appeared in Doctor Fate's very first story that ran over the first oh. two issues of More Fun Comics. It was in issue 55 and 56. Appropriate, he's the first one to appear yeah. in. Yeah, and I think he popped up again, I think around about issue 70. And he's been seen a few times since, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. He, he definitely pops up. He's in Star Squadron. Mm-hmm. I remember him turning up in JLA Year One. There's a really good bit which I think vaguely ties into one of the other JLA JSA team ups that's still a few years in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't think Votan's actually in that particular story, but we will see Votan again at some point. And anyways, Votan bursts out of the pink bubble and he's saying, Yes, I have come back from Vince, you cast me to work my evil on you. And as Votan leaps forward, there's a sort of golden glow around his head, which is quite interesting. Anyway, the caption of the next panel says, As Dr. Fate leaps backward to avoid that lunge, he hurls magical bolts at his foe. And by hurling a couple of trademark lightning bolts, Dr. Fate says, I'll paralyze you with a... Foolish Dr. Fate! You cannot destroy me! You know in your heart that's right! Over the page, the caption says, And then, from out of the sunlight brilliance about Wotan's head, emerges... Dr. Fate says, The mage of the Yucatan jungles, Mayor. Mayor is dark grey-skinned, wearing a loincloth. According to, probably like find out, he was a character who appeared in issue 64 of More Fun Comics. Okay. A Mayan god, basically, who obviously caused Dr. Fate a bit of trouble. He leaps towards Dr. Fate, and the caption says... With a hideous laugh, the terrible Mayor turns the floor to wet ooze. And the Mayan god Mayur exclaims, This time it is I who shall be victorious. And he blasts a ray from top of his head and Dr. Fate starts sinking into the ground. <gasps> Dr. Fate thinks to himself, The very atoms of the flora are gripping me, seeking to drag me down as if they were quicksand. Then the caption of the next panel says, But the wisdom of the ancient Chaldeans does not desert the Wonder Wizard. And Dr. Fate is suddenly rising up from the ground with his trademark thunderbolts and he's thinking, My magic seems to have no effect on them. All I can do is save myself by using magic lightning to blast myself upward like a rocket. And then, so abruptly that he gasps with surprise, the stellar sorcerer finds himself alone. Dr. Fate looks around to find that he's alone in the bank vault. Indeed, the images of the baddies who he was imagining have vanished. And he thinks, What? Why, of course, I only imagined those old enemies of mine. Someone used my momentary elapse to help the bank robbers get away. Story continues on the next page. So we we are now on to part two of Perils of, of the Cycle Pirates. In a locked room deep in the subterranean quarters of the Tyler Chemical Company hangs the dark, grim uniform of Our Man, with a small hourglass on a chain to keep track of his hour of supercharged power. And there's a lovely inset panel of Our Man's costume hanging up on a hook inside Rex's private laboratory. And then with a lovely rest of the page splash panel showing Our Man putting on his costume. And the caption says... For when Rex Tyler dons that costume and hangs the hourglass about his neck, he changes from president of his company to heroic crime fighter. Miraclo, the amazing chemical taken in the form of a pill, gives him superpowers but only for one hour. To reacquire these great abilities, he must wait another 60 minutes. And as our man is putting his costume on, he's thinking, I must discover why Wendy Harris stole those masks. Because she unaccountably did. She now says she cannot marry me. Somehow I know it wasn't her fault, and I intend to prove it. Hearing of the robbery at the Gotham City Bank, our man races to the financial establishment, only to learn that... And Rex is talking to a member of staff at the bank, and the man says, Dr. Fate was here at the time of the robbery, our man. He uh, touched this newspaper, then set off in pursuit of the robbers. And our man says... I'll borrow that paper, if I may. With the newspaper and a description of the man who owned it, 
The 60 Minutes Superhero visits a corner newsstand. And right enough, we see our man back at the presumably the same newsstand that Roger was at, and we can see this time that um, in addition to Look Magazine, what looks like an issue of Batman, what looks like an issue of Green Lantern, what yes. looks like an issue of Justice League, what looks like an issue of Atom, wow. what looks like an issue of Flash, and could that even be Dr. Fate and our Oh, man? yes. Uh-huh. Interesting. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Could that, in fact, that's, that's what that is. That's showcase. That's incredible. <laughs> that's fantastic. Anyway... Rex is holding up the newspaper and... World's Finest is in the corner as well. So is, yeah. We'll definitely put this picture up in the yeah, socials if fantastic. we can get a good picture of it because yeah. it's very, very small print. Ah, it's quite clear in my copy, so yeah, we'll, we'll be able to show you that. And anyway, the news vendor is saying, Sure, I remember the guy that bought it because he came in a red foreign car, a Mercedes Bentley. Swallowing the miracle pill, our man hurtles into the air. Yeah, I love these next few panels. They're yeah. tremendous because um, our man is literally... Leaping some tall buildings in a single bound. Yes. And he's taking his pill, and we have the first little time identifier, and it shows at 3.10pm, and as our man leaps into the air, he thinks to himself, I'll leap high above the city, and scan all the streets in the vicinity for that Mercedes Bentley. Upward he soars as his keen eyes drink in car after car, but there is no sign of the psycho pirate's vehicle. Got to make another jump, and keep on until I spot him. It's now 3.18pm. Then, outside an open-air art museum display... Now we see some baddies who are assembled right enough outside. We can see some statues and plinths, and they've got a big car with the boot open. One of the bad guys is saying, Everyone here except us, thanks to the counter-emotional capsule we all took, is overcome by the emotion, despair. It leaves us a clear field to clear out this place. And we can see our man descending to the ground in the back of the panel, and he's thinking, There they are! The time is now 3.39pm. Dropping like a bomb, he rams both feet into an iron art abstraction, and... Iron art abstraction was actually the name of an unreleased menswear b-side. If you remember menswear, the, oh, I see. the okay. slightly powdered Britpop band. I never saw them, did you? Can't say it is. It's not the name of a menswear b-side, I'm kidding. Our man drops down and knocks the iron art abstraction off its plinth and takes out one of the baddies, but it seems that one of the other baddies, indeed, is Roger Hayden. Because the caption for the next panel says, Roger Hayden quickly recovers his balance and lifts a hand to his face. And as our man rushes towards him, Roger moves his hand upwards and thinks, I'll put a stop to our man with an emotional disturbance. The time is now 3.39 and 4 seconds. The caption for the next panel says, But before he can cause a facial changeover, Our man is there, punches Roger an absolute crack of a right hook. Caption for the next panel says, He dives through a marble-free art form. And our man has leapt up into the air, but one of the other baddies is throwing another smaller statue at him. And the bad guy is thinking, He won't be so acrobatic when I bounce this statue off his noggin. But the mighty muscles of the TikTok tornado react instantly as... And at 3.39 and 11 seconds, our man lands on the ground. He lands in his left hand, but his right hand is up, and he's caught the little marble statue. And he thinks, It'll be a shame to break that priceless piece of statuary, so I'll catch it in flight. He sets it down gently, turns a somersault in midair, and thuds down on the fleeing mobster. And sure enough, very quickly we see our man putting a statue down, jumping into the air, and landing with both knees in the back of one of the running bad guys, and Rex shouts, bullseye, and it's now 3.39pm and 20 seconds. That all took eight seconds. Yeah. The remaining gangsters race for the foreign car. It's a lovely, lovely Murphy Anderson panel. The detail on the car, the detail on the, the bad guys. They run towards the car, and we can see our man thinking, heading for a getaway, which won't get anywhere, as he launches himself into the air towards the car. The bad guys are getting into the car, and one of them is saying, Stop the car! Stop the car! He's coming fast! Caption for the next panel. 
He lands behind the car, hands darting to grip and hold. Sure enough, at 3.39 and 28 seconds, our man grabs the back of the car, says, Now boys, if you want to travel... Supercharged muscles flex and bulge as our man becomes a human jack. And at 3.39 and 30 seconds, he's now underneath the car after lifting it up. He's walking forward, tipping the bad guys out, and he says, Get a move on! Yeah! Terrific. As the mobsters hit the paving stones with knockout force, our man lowers the car. And our man thinks, Now for the man who used that newspaper to cause such great curiosity in the bank. I have a hunch he's the same party who made Wendy steal those masks through greed. It is now that the dazed psycho pirate recovers enough strength to raise his arm and... Roger can see Rex running towards him. It's now 3.39.51 and Roger thinks, He'll nab me unless... Next moment... And as our man arrives, he says, Why, you aren't an enemy. You're my friend. My pal! You're absolutely right, our man. His own face distorted into a friendly grimace. The man of the hour is forced to forget that the psycho pirate is a criminal. Walking off now looking very matey, our man has his hand on Roger Hayden's shoulder and Roger says, Since we're buddies, our man, how about giving us a helping hand? A friend in need is a friend indeed. Just tell me what you want done, chum. At the bidding of the art criminal, he lifts a heavy work of art. And we see a blue van, which has arrived. Back doors are open. Roger is indicating towards it, and he says, Put it in the truck, buddy boy. And our man says, Sure thing, friend. And as our man carries the statue towards the van, it's now 3.40pm and 20 seconds. Then the next caption says, Then he happily waves farewell as the psycho pirate and his men drive off with the loot. And we see the fancy red foreign car driving off at the front, the blue van following behind it. Roger is in the red car and he says, So long, pal. And our man responds, See you again soon, chum. It's now 3.50pm. And a small caption with nice little insert heads of Dr. Fate and our man says, Story continues in third page following. Underneath there's a nice house advert for that month's issue of Detective Comics and Batman. There's a G.I. Joe advert. There's the text page about the Psycho Pirate. And then we're into part three of Perils of of the the Psycho Psycho Pirates. Down from the sky swoops the Wonder Wizard to make contact with his fellow crime buster. And as he calls down to him, the friendly grin of the 60-minute superhero turns into an angry scowl as he realises he was victimised by their deadly opponents. As Dr. Fate whooshes down, he says, Our man, you helped the thief and his gang get away. And our man says, I couldn't help it. Something just came over me just as it did Wendy. Dr. Fate continues, He had me in his clutches too. When I snapped out of it back at the bank, I began searching for him by establishing a magical contact with the newspaper he had touched. Just as a bloodhound need only sniff at an object to get its scent, so I needed only to touch the newspaper to be able to follow our foe. We move to the top of page 19, and Dr. Fate continues, Though my magic could not follow the masks, it could track down the thief, so... I saw you leap into action and the trick he played on you. And we see Dr. Fate flying along and he's conjured a nice little bubble in front of him which is showing Roger Hayden in the process of tricking our man like he did previously. And Dr. Fate is thinking, I won't interfere yet. I want to learn where he has his hideout so we can recover his loot. After he explains, the mystic mage rises into the air bringing his crime-fighting companion with him. It's quite a nice panel as we now reach 3.59pm Dr. Fate is flying on ahead and he's using his lightning bolts to conjure a nice little chariot 
It's crazy. For Iron Man to stand there. It's obviously a Green Lantern power ring. It's exactly the same thing. It's yeah. really weird. It's yellow, obviously. But uh-huh. uh, it's it's very bizarre. I mean, you don't usually see him use his powers yeah. in such a it's, way. I mean, especially given how when we did 55 the other week, mm-hmm. he just kind of brought him along behind him in the yeah, in the wind. Yeah, currents. Which is quite interesting. And again, I see it every time. This is like almost like a callback to uh, Dr. Fate's original power set where he mm-hmm. has more matter manipulation. It's almost as if he's created this chariot out of thin air yeah. and it's pulling along with him as opposed to any sort of magical means. It's, uh, and it's very strange. It's greatly Rex's cape is flowing out behind him. It's tremendous. It's just such a throwaway as yeah. well. It's so it's, great. It's so casual. It's not even referred to in the dialogue. Yeah. It's unusual for Gardner Fox. Absolutely. So, and as they're flying through the air, our man says, from his chariots, but we don't know where to find the thief. And Dr. Fate says, Oh yes we do, look at the clouds, our man. Following a wispy cloud path, the battlers for justice lead towards their destination. And we can see that the clouds in the sky basically formed into the shapes of arrows that are pointing them in a certain direction. And Dr. Fate is saying, I conjured up those clouds to trail him, using the magical sense I took off his newspaper. It's now 4.03pm. Then they drop downward above a seacoast mansion. Yep, and they've arrived at Roger's attractive beachside location. And Dr. Fate says, These wizardous drills will slip us inside the house without harming it. And we can see that they're basically contained within giant drill bits, basically. Again, this is matter manipulation, powering constructions. It's interesting. It's It's now 4.09pm. And the caption for the next panel says, They land in a large chamber where... And sure enough, at 4.09 and 24, we see Dr. Fate and our man landing. They're in a big room. The Medusa masks are on the wall. There are four assembled bad guys. One is holding a large pen. One is holding... A water pistol. One of them's holding a pizza. And the other one's holding a fan. A desktop fan. Very strange. And one of the bad guys says... We're armed and ready for them. Our man says... Huh, I thought we were going to have the battle of our lives. There's nothing to fear here, Dr. Fate says. Are these odd objects in the crook's hands supposed to be weapons? A knitting needle, a pizza pie, an electric fan, <laughs> a water pistol. Right, okay. So we move to the top of page 20, and we have a shot of the psycho pirate looking very proud of himself in an inset, and the caption says, Those innocent-looking objects are deadlier weapons than you might suspect, Dr. Fate, for the psycho pirate is well prepared for you and our man. In his psychological laboratory, he has already donned his garb as the Emir of Emotion. And right at this moment, he is outside the very chamber in which you stand, hurling a battery of phobias at you both. And the next panel shows our man and Dr. Fate moving towards the bad guys, but Roger as the psycho pirate standing behind them, waving his hand about his face, and he's saying, I knew it wouldn't be long before they caught up to us, so I'm about to fill them with so many phobias they'll be too terrified to act. The caption for the next panel says, As they hurtle forward, Dr. Fate and our man find that the innocent objects are indeed weapons of a diabolical nature. And we see the guy with the desk fan pointing at Dr. Fate, and we can see a sort of... It's almost like his mask has gone translucent. It looks almost like Martian Manhunter. The way he's drawing it looks very much like Martian Manhunter. Oh. I wonder if they're trying to suggest that either is the expression on his face or do we see Kent's face through the mask? It's interesting. But anyway, mm. Dr. Fate declares... Yeah! And the man with the water pistol is firing at our man who says... No! 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 An inset panel and the psycho pirate says... Dr. Fate suffers from aerophobia, a dread of air currents, while our man is affected by hydrophobia, a fear of water. They turn to flee, only to discover that the pizza pie and the knitting needle (laughs) are just as alarming. And the man gesturing towards Dr. Fate with a pizza, this is hilarious, and Dr. Fate says, I'm so afraid, I'm shaking. And the man with the knitting needle is pointing at our man, who says, Go up! 
I've got to get out of here! And it's now 4.09 and 42 seconds. Inset panel of the psycho pirate, and he says, Now Dr. Fate is attacked by cetophobia, a fear of food, while his companion is stricken by hemophobia, the fear of pointed objects. Interesting. So we move on to page 21. The caption at the top says, As this mortal fear strikes deep into their individual hearts, each crime fighter knows he must strike back or perish. Dr. Fate lifts quivering fingers. And we can see the baddies still holding their pizza and their fan and their water pistol and their knitting needle. And Dr. Fate says, I can do nothing against the objects that cause my fears, but perhaps I can help our man. And instantly the water pistol and the knitting needle are magically transformed. And the bad guy who was holding the knitting needle says... Huh, our weapons turned into smoke. Sure enough, we see like a little puff of smoke in his hand and a little puff of smoke in the hand of the guy who had the water pistol. And it's now 4.09.59. And Rex is thinking to himself, teamwork can help us here. The gang leader didn't reckon on the fact that we could fight against those objects that caused the other to be stricken with fear. But even as he springs, the TikTok Thunderbolt realises that... My hour has passed. I'm a normal human again, without any supercharged powers. As he knocks the pizza into the face of the guy who was brandishing the pizza. Yet the grim determination of the crime fighter enables him to land a knockout blow. I'll have to play act to prevent those thugs from realising my powers have left me. And our man knocks out the guy who had the desk fan with an uppercut. And it's now 4.10.02. The Wonder Wizard leaps to knock out the gangsters harrying his partner. Yep, see Dr. Fate jumping forward and we're back to knitting needle and water pistol guy and he's pushing him back over a table and we see money and the, some of the nice expensive artworks flying up into the air and Dr. Fate thinks, While our man handles my opponents, I'll take care of his. So... Baddies out of the way, we move on to page 22, and the first caption says, Harsh laughter fills the air as the psycho pirate touches a hidden control and causes the gold masks to become a glow. And sure enough, that's what we see. And the psycho pirate says, <laughs> I'm not beaten yet. I wanted to give my boys a chance to get even, but in case they failed, I still reserved a trump card to play. And the caption says, From the glowing Medusa masks, a dozen conflicting emotions slam into Dr. Fate and Our Man. They quiver under a gamut of spine-tingling emotions. And Our Man says, Dr. Fate, I've always been jealous of your magical powers. I'm going to prove my energy-charged abilities are better than your magic. A jealous rage twists the Orient helmets of the Wonder Wizard as he answers Our Man's attack with a blow of his own. And basically, Our Man and Dr. Fate start fighting. Our Man goes to punch Dr. Fate in the stomach. Dr. Fate punches Our Man in the jaw. And we can see an expression again playing over the mask of Dr. Fate. Yeah, I think it's the mask. It's not It's not like a translucent sort of thing. No, it's definitely yeah. a, a sort of... A magical projection on the as mask. As if the, um, the mask is maybe being twisted, as you say, it's being projected. Mm -hmm. And our man says, this is only the starter. Dr. Fate replies, In my book, magic outspells energy power. Caption of the next panel. From jealousy, the masks burn mockery into each crime fighter. And our man says... How do you have the gall to appear in public with that ridiculous uniform? Fate says, I don't know how you ever had the nerve to take your old uniform out of mothballs. Again, they leap in struggle as hate overwhelms them. And they're now grappling hand to hand now, and our man says, I'm going to send you back into retirement, you has-been. When I get through blasting you with my magic, you'll only be a memory. We move to page 23. The caption says, 
One after another, the crime fighters suffer the emotions of the Medusa masks until they become exhausted, worn out by their awesome experiences. And we see Dr. Fate and our man, they've stopped fighting. They're standing, there's a slight tremor upon each yeah. of them. As the psycho pilot walks towards them and he says, At last, you're utterly helpless. The strength has been drained out of you by the emotional ringer I put you through. Captions the next panel. Taunting his opponents, the psycho pirate rams a fist against our man's jaw. Sure enough, psycho pirate punches out our man, saying, I don't need any hocus pocus powers to knock you out. And he continues, Those masks roused up your emotions by an electrical stimulation of the body's emotional control centers, the hypothalamus, and the septal region of the human brain. Neurophysiologists have already proved this to be a scientific fact. And we have an editor's note which says, by the experiments of Dr. C.W. Sam Jacobson of Norway, of Dr. Robert G. Heath of Tulane University, and Dr. Jose M. Delgado of Yale. Well, that's quite interesting. And from the bookshelves of Gartner Fox. Yeah. yeah. The next panel, the caption says, He drives an uppercut against the jaw of Dr. Fate. Sure enough, psycho pirate punching Dr. Fate in the jaw, that's not something you see every day. And as he does that, he says, This is no magic illusion striking you, Dr. Fate. But the intense stupefaction of the Emir of Emotions, the Wonder Wizard, returns his blow. And sure enough, Dr. Fate returns up with a punch in the jaw as well. Hayden's head flies back and he says, Ah, you, you're not affected by the golden masks. We move to the top of page 24. The caption says, Enraged, the psycho pirate slugs his magical foe again. And with a wonderful, co-centric, green circle background, very psychedelic, psycho pirate strikes another punch at Dr. Fate saying, Incredible! You couldn't have known how to counteract those masks! Dr. Fate thinks, He isn't the only one who knows the hypothalamus and the septal region of the brain control emotions. The caption of the next panel says, The harder the psycho pirate hits, the harder Dr. Fate strikes back, until... Presumably, what's the defining blow? Yeah, Doctor, we see a cracking shot of Dr. Fate from behind. That's great. Psycho Pirate's down for the count, basically. I was utterly without emotion, but my body was capable of reflex action when he hit me. My body responded automatically, just the way a dazed prize fighter does against his opponents. Psycho Pirate stretched down the ground, Dr. Fate is gesturing towards him with one of his magic lightning bolts, and he continues to think. To prevent him from using his eerie powers, I'll put a magic mask over his face, so he'll never affect anyone again. When our man comes to, and Dr. Fate explains what has happened. See our man and Dr. Fate standing over Psycho Pirate, wrecks his hand to his noggin, and he says, Phew! You took a chance battling me and my supercharged powers. Suppose I'd still retained them. Oh, I knew you weren't under the effects of the miracle pill anymore. I saw the sands of your hourglass had run out. I knew you were your normal self, so I pulled my punches in my fight with you. I see. You acted out of part just as I did when fighting those mobsters after I realized my powers had left me. I took my acting cues from you when the masks hurled you into an emotional spasm. Since I didn't feel any emotions, I had to fake the emotions you were feeling. When I fought our foe, I was unable to use magic because I need my emotional forces to operate it. So, I had to depend solely on my reflex actions. When the gang leader was knocked out, I automatically recovered my powers. Well, if you say so, Dr. Fate. (laughs) (laughs) So, the next caption says, The masked psycho pirate is put behind jail bars, and a joyful reunion takes place between Rex Tyler and Wendy Harris. Presumably they're back at Rex's house now, because we see Rex and Wendy, Dr. Fate standing pure casual in the background, in front of a nice painting of a lighthouse, actually. Interesting. And Rex is saying, Honey, now that your name has been cleared and you've agreed to marry me, it's only fair that you should know I've been leading a double life. I am also our man. It's true, Wendy. And Wendy says as she hugs Rex, All I care about, really, is you're going to be my husband. 
24 hours a day. The, the end. end. Lovely, nice, wry smile from Rex in that last panel, and I and I swear that Doctor Fate is grinning behind the mask. That was fine. Bottom page twenty five also has a an institutional house advert for that issue of the Atom that we talked about a few weeks ago in Zatanna's Quest. So we, that gives you an idea of where we are, where we're catching up in the whole big scheme of things. So Doctor Fate and Iron Man versus the Cycle Pirate. When did you first see the cover of Showcase fifty six, Peter? I honestly don't remember. Really? Because I can mm-hmm. I can remember quite clearly when I saw the cover of Showcase okay. fifty six. Um, okay. I don't know if we've talked about it in the podcast, have we? We're both big fans of Grant Morrison's initial run on Animal Man. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a storyline towards the end of that, which is called Crisis 2, essentially. Mm-hmm. And issue 24, and we'll put it in the socials so you can see it, has the Psycho Pirate. The Psycho Pirate is basically crying on the cover, and he's crying covers of pre-crisis DC comics. Yes. So you've got stuff like there's a copy of Green Lantern 40 on the floor, there's a copy of Flash 1, 2, 3, First Appearance of the Legion, you can see the Bizarro Superman characters. But on the cover, he's in the process of crying out the cover of Showcase 56. Now, when I got this issue of Animal One, it was quite still quite a neophyte DC collector. Okay. And I remember seeing this cover and thinking, Dr. Fate and Our Man versus the Psycho Pirate. Wow, that's going to be the best story ever. And then, I'm sure it was later that year, maybe start of the next year, I was working mm-hmm. in Stateside Comics in Glasgow. Okay. And my friend and former colleague, John Farman, was looking at an advertisement in Comics International. Do you remember Comics International? Yes, I remember that, huh? This is the pre-internet days, obviously, listeners. This is the early 90s. And John was in the process of contacting someone with an advert. John was collecting Fantastic Four at the time. Okay. And this guy had his advertised his list in Comics International. Was phone for, you know, tells what you're after. John was about to call again. He asked me if there's anything I was looking for. I said, well, ask him if he's got Showcase 56 and Flash 139. Because at that point, I was still collecting the Flash quite keenly and I quite fancied getting the first appearance of the reverse Flash. Okay. So basically, John phoned the guy later on and got his Fantastic Fours he was after and he got some real key issues. It was mm-hmm. really nice mm-hmm. copies. and they were, they were really nice items. He got me a Flash 139 and a Showcase 56, basically for buttons. Excellent. <laughs> so Showcase 56 came through and I read it and did it live up to my expectations? Did it? It didn't back in the day. Oh, really? No, I imagine, because of the cycle pirate, I imagine some sort of epic, combined with Dr. Fate's powers, sort of race against time, you know, and with a massive sort of psychedelic freakout sort of thing going on. As and, opposed you know, to leading a gang robbing a bank. Yeah, as opposed to a bank robbery and then some statues getting pinched and then a bit of a fight at the end. Right. I mean... I remember when we did 55 and you sort of said it was just a big sort of Well, that, fight that for was a just a big fight. I mean, this, 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 this has got a bit more plot to it. Yeah, this had a little bit more substance. Yeah. Um, and lovely education for the kids. Yeah, so what did you think? I, I really enjoyed it. There's a few points I want to bring up. Um, mm-hmm. If I was psychopathic, I would not be punching Dr. Fate in the helmet. Um, <laughs> in the where? In the helmet, because that gonna, that's going to hurt your fist. Yeah. I mean, yeah, give him a, a good stomach blow. That's mm-hmm. a Superman Sunday special, as it's known. <laughs> Is that a callback to Dr. Fate as a medical doctor? His knowledge of Ah, him? it could well be. Because yeah. obviously it kicks off with him as archaeologist. Of course. Uh, but that could well oh, be right. a callback yeah, to that. Yeah, it could be. I think uh, you're right. Which, is, which again is really interesting. Again, Gardner Fox wrote Dr. Fate back in the Golden Age. So mm-hmm. maybe that's his way of just like threading that, yeah. that back in. He's going to have that knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I quite enjoyed it as much as 50. I mean, I enjoyed it more this time for a read through. Mm. I think, you know, because I've had 27 years for the disappointment to evaporate. Mm. I feel that it's not quite as a feast for the senses as 55 because although it's Murphy Anderson and it looks terrific, 
we don't have that as much of that evocative sort of swamp thing going on. There's enough yeah. empty rooms or blank spaces, you know, in mm. the background and stuff. But I mean, it's Doctor Fate and Our Man versus the Psycho Pirate. It might not be what I imagined back in the day, but it's still still Doctor Fate and Our Man fighting yeah. the Psycho Pirate. And I love the way the Psycho Pirate's powers are introduced. Yeah, just the fact that he basically just by moving his. Ha- I mean, I'm miming it now, listeners. Ah, I'm oh, feeling banished oh. <laughs> like emotions. Oh, no. that was really effective, and it was nice to actually as well see the little bit of Our Man's private life because Wendy Harris was used in the Tom mm-hmm. Pear series that, that operated at the turn of the century you yep. know, and we know that, that Rex and Wendy ultimately get married and have a son mm-hmm. who will meet eventually a long way down the line and one of the, the Tom and, and Rags Morales sort of Our Man series had a really nice it was almost like an extra bonus issue showcase because mm-hmm. it featured Our Man going to see Dr Fate for help fantastic I was in spasms of joy when that came out it would basically showcase 56 and a half it was, <laughs> it was great so it's nice to have that little See that little seed being planted because we know it's you know they'll, they'll follow on with it. Yeah, one of the things I liked as well about this is uh, when Doctor Fate enters the bank, he says he's he's going to direct himself there in his astral form, and of course this takes place in nineteen well it was published in nineteen sixty five. Yeah, Doctor Strange had been out for a couple of years before that, and he was always sending his astral form off to do things. Yeah, I wonder if that's. A reference. picked up to that. It's been a long time since I've read them, but I can't remember offhand if Fate had referred to an astral form before. Sure. And obviously, in this case, it's basically phasing through. He's yeah. Because he's converting his body to an astral form. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to projecting one. Oh, it's interesting. That's what I was going to say, because so. he arrives in his astral form, but then mm-hmm. converts back into his normal form. That's, yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah. But it's just the terminology there. I think, is that because, you know, some comics readers might be more familiar with that? At the time. Of course, because Doctor um, Strange have been using it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's one one thing that's interesting as well. Another little contrast to 55, which we talked about, because mm-hmm. 55, there's a couple of very minor characters yeah. who have other lines, but this one, at least there's a bit more population. We have the party guests, mm-hmm. there's the people in the bank. Their budget for extras and supporting artists was obviously a bit mm-hmm. bigger for this for this episode it's also, <laughs> than they were making it. It's also interesting as well that they've gone for a legacy a Psycho Pirate. Yes. They could have brought back the original Psycho Pirate and oh. had him do exactly the same yeah. thing. Obviously uh-huh. slightly older, but you know, mm-hmm. contemporary with you know the heroes. Yeah. But instead you've got this already we don't know what he's in prison for. Yeah. Uh so that's, that's yeah, that's true. Roger Hayes, so we don't, we don't know. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. It's, we've had a couple of legacy heroes already. So, yeah, another mm-hmm. legacy villain, given a new costume and a new look, mm-hmm. keeping the same name but having slightly different powers. So it's yep. maybe, maybe closer to the Atom as far yeah. as the reboots mm-hmm. sort of going. That, that, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. A legacy villain. <gasps> Gasp. And what comics do you think are published in Earth 2? What, what if they, are, they, are they comics about the Earth 1? The Earth 1 guys. guys. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I mean, it's and if they were, would, would, would Jay not recognise Barry? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or maybe maybe these are just the comics that were published on Earth, on Earth 2 as equivalent to DC Comics. Interesting, though, that the ones that were on the newspaper stand were titles that the reader could find. Readily on yeah. their newsstands. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. It's a nice wee nod, obviously, for the leader. But yeah, uh, it's cool. Uh, if we're looking at it as if to say this is actually Earth Two, then you know what are these? Are these? Is this like the the Marvel comics? How it exists within Marvel comics? Yeah, and that they retell stories that the heroes actually have, adventures they actually have. Or could they just be made up stories using the, the yeah. actual heroes? Or could mm-hmm. they be made up stories using the Earth One heroes? Or even other versions of the heroes altogether that we don't could know about? Be. Could it be the Tangent comics? Mm. Could be very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. I mean, not as, as I say, not as much of a feast as 55, but maybe a bit more satisfying mm-hmm. 
because you know they both got to use their powers equally, and there was nothing about their powers cancelling each other out this time. No, although was, um, it's another case of them, you know, fighting each other. Yeah, which we had in the previous yeah. issue as well. I wonder if they had become, you know, another world's finest team where they've ended up fighting each other every issue. <laughs> <laughs> they could have got boring very quickly. It was fascinating seeing a face on Doctor Fate's helmet. Yes, so much. weird looking. Yeah, uh, I can't but, think of. But seen it's that. very creepy and effective. I can't think really of another works. time when I saw that. To be honest, well, the kind of. Not actual face, but Sean McManus, is it? Who did the Gem de Mateus run. Right. The, the mask kind of like morphs. It's like, you know the way some artists interpret Spider-Man's mask? Sure. Uh, the mask kind of morphed uh, and showed expression. And also, uh, as we mentioned uh, last week, uh, Norm Brayfogle, when he was doing Batman, obviously we mentioned him when we were talking about the mud pack. Mm-hmm. He does great expressions using Batman's mask. But you never see that on, you know, the classic Doctor Fate look. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember that. I've not been able to find the source, but I've a, a memory of reading an interview with, I think it was either Gardner Fox or Julie Schwartz, something like that, when they talked about how someone like Dr. Faye, why he was always so successful, and it's because he had a cool mask. I suddenly, suddenly realised, I don't know why it hasn't occurred to me sooner. Dr. Faye inspired one of my tattoos. Directly, oh, really? And absolutely. Okay. No, that's, that's crazy. I haven't thought that before, because I got the, I got the star on this shoulder that was mm-hmm. directly inspired by a story in the, the Starman Secret Files in the James Robinson okay. series. I got fair play tattoos in one shoulder. I don't think we've met the guy who inspired that yet. When we did 55, we talked about how his Doctor Fate goes on, his magic veers towards that whole Egyptian. Yeah. Huh? And the, the ankh becomes very... So yeah, yeah. I got an ankh tattooed on my oh, on my back. okay. Yeah. There so are. did you know I had that? I don't think I did, actually. Yeah. No. Well, it's, not, it's not the most obvious sort of place. Oh, you know? okay, cool. Um, it's not like a big giant across, across the shoulder blades no, prison no, tattoo it's quite, it's, quite, it's quite small and discreet. Because I remember when they brought him back... It was weird because when they brought him back in the, the 1999 JSA series, there was this mm-hmm. whole Doctor Fate was reborn as a baby and he would have the, the ankh as a birthmark. Ah, okay. So it's, it, I, th- I think I got the tattoo after that, I can't remember, but that was that might have influenced my thinking as far as having it somewhere where it wasn't immediately sort of noticeable. Okay. I mean, I've never, I've never actually, I've only ever seen it with my own eyes and photographs and reflection. Wow. So there you okay. go, that's an interesting. It might have, might have worn off. <laughs> might, as, far as, I, as far as I know, it's still there. So listeners, do you have any tattoos inspired by DC Comics superheroes? Do let us know. Sadly, there's no reader reaction, there's no letters pages for Showcase covering the, the Doctor Fate and Our Man team-ups, either of them. It's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Because we, as we said before with 55, like, it would have been nice to know the reader reaction because mm-hmm. we, we've obviously read out a lot of letters in the past mm-hmm. where people had written into JLA and written to, written to Flash and they were really pleased. And there's a certain buzz about the other yeah, two characters. Yeah, so the really guys back them, and all that. You know. So it would have been interesting to see what people thought at the time. Mm-hmm. The fact that we don't see Doctor Fate and Our Man back together in Showcase after this, the fact that we didn't get a comic, maybe makes me think that maybe they weren't a spectacular sales success. Mm-hmm. Maybe thought the pairing know. didn't really work. You know, they're yeah. quite different. Is this maybe, as you said, like a, the Earth Two World's Finest? They were trying, basically, trying to do. Yeah. Uh, with Doctor Fate, obviously, being you know, the, I suppose the, con- one. the contrast between the characters is quite interesting, but maybe mm-hmm. you know, sorcery and science. Yeah, you know? it's a shame. Although we don't have reader response at the time, you can give us your response. Yep. Uh, you can email us at uh, theearth2podcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think of this story or any of our stories or what you think of David's tattoos. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us in Facebook and because we we're on the Earth 2 podcast there and we put up lots of uh, great content up there, including some highlighted panels from this very issue. Yep, there'll be a whole bunch of Doctor Fate photographs going up. There'll be some Psycho Pirate comic covers, some other series. We'll put up that Animal Man cover that I mentioned earlier on. Yep, so check us out on Instagram as well. You can find us there at the Earth 2 Podcast. And indeed on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth 2. So that's us this week. I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we'll talk to you next time on the Earth Earth 2 2 Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime.
The mysterious cigarette lighter flares again. The mysterious cigarette lighter is a quite dodgy pub in Islington. I wouldn't recommend it. And a ripple of laughter doesn't run through this studio. And a ripple of (laughs) laughter runs through the assembled guests.